0: It is good to be back with you after almost a month and a half. Welcome to phase three of our 2023 vision. And if that makes absolutely no sense to you, let me explain. Our 2023 vision, that is what our church is focusing on this year, is moving on up. We believe that God is calling our church to grow up, to spiritually mature, And this vision is built on a few things. Number one, this is what we believe God spoke to our leadership team. Number two, we are no longer a church plant hoping to survive. We're almost seven years old and in my humble opinion, healthy and growing. And that changes things. We can stop thinking about surviving and we can start focusing on growing. By the way, that's what phase one was all about. It was about growing in Christ. And we want to grow because we believe God is calling our church to big things. And one way that we've said it this year is that God wants us to experience a harvest. Now, according to John chapter four, Jesus defines the harvest as many people experiencing eternal life we believe that God wants our church to help our community love Jesus and experience his joyful salvation. But here's the thing about harvests. Proverbs 14 reminds us that without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Harvests require strong oxen, if you will, harvest require spiritually mature Christians. That's why we're focusing on this this year. But strong oxen, as you may assume, also have big poop. And the picture is when sinners get saved and they become spiritually mature while also inviting more sinners into the house of God, it can be a messy process but it's worth it. And phase two taught us this through the book of Jonah. But now it's time for phase three. By the way, if you don't remember, there are four phases and phase four is gonna be about heaven. I'm super excited about that. But in the meantime, phase three is about recalibration. Earlier this year, uh, I used basketball to help us understand this concept. And many of you know that I, I coach rec basketball. And last season, there was a stretch in the season where my team, which had started off kind of blowing teams out, began making a lot of mistakes. And we went on a losing streak. We had solid players, yet we were losing games we shouldn't have. You see, the problem wasn't in, with the potential of uh, of the players. It was with the their fundamentals. They weren't playing solid fundamental basketball. They weren't doing the things necessary to win games. And so we had to recalibrate. We got to, we had to get back to the basics. And so that's what we did. And by the end of the season, we were playing well once again. Recalibrating helped us grow. Unfortunately, we finished one game short of playing for the championship. But similarly, last month, thanks to your generosity, kindness, and hard work, my family got to spend the month of June on sabbatical. It was three weeks of rest and refreshment. We spent quality time with one another, but more than that, we spent quality time with the Lord. And the sabbatical helped me Personally, recalibrate, which is a good thing, since I'm leading our church into this recalibration phase. Now, it's not like I was close to burnout and I needed the sabbatical, nor had I, had I, had I drifted off course uh, from the calling that God has on my life. But, but I, I still very much needed this recalibration at this point in my life, and let me explain why. Before I left on sabbatical, I was sharing a lot about how God is doing big things in our community, how our church has more than doubled over uh, the last year, how it's growing so much, and how I believe God wants us to continue to dream big. And now, after my sabbatical, I still believe these things are true. However, I heard the Lord speak gently to my soul about a few things that needed recalibration. I want to share those things with you guys. And so the first thing was, is that God has called me to humility. You know, sometimes I say that, that one of my spiritual gifts is self-deprecation. You know, it's always been easy for me to make fun of myself. Honestly, when I think about myself, I don't think about anything special, and I don't say that for any type of pity. It's, it's just real, right or wrong. And because of this, I have rarely struggled with humility. However, at least recently, God's grace has allowed me to experience a certain measure of success. And success is a great place for sin to grow, especially pride. And whether or not anyone else noticed it, I realized and God showed me that there is pride in my life and that I need to get rid of it. I need to recalibrate. James four says God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. I need to remember my call to humility because God's grace is given to the humble and I need God's grace more than anything else. Furthermore, Philippians 2 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I want to be humble because this verse reminds us that Jesus is humble. And the standard for spiritual growth, for spiritual maturity is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the second thing that God spoke to me about was that God has called me to relationship. You know, I'm an introvert by nature, but I love being with people. Honestly, it exhausts me because I'm an introvert, but I know that I need to, I need to be in relationship to flourish in this life. And I believe that God has called the River Church and me as the pastor to relationship. That's why we have a a phrase here at the River Church that, that this is build community. Maybe you've heard me say this before, but I, I, I've, I've said that one day when I finally step down from being the lead pastor at this church, I'd love to continue being part of this church as the maybe like a discipleship pastor. I feel like that that would be my sweet spot. To, uh, I feel like that that would be my sweet spot to spend time in relationship with people and helping them follow Jesus with all of their hearts is it, doing that that's just who i am it's how god has wired me as a person and as a pastor but here's the thing it's really hard for a lead pastor which is the role that i currently serve in to be relational at least how i define it when a church grows beyond 70 people now, if you don't know, we're, 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 we're more than double that, maybe even triple that considering all the people who call the River Church their home church. And I personally feel like our commitment as a church to relationship is something that makes our church special. And I love personally knowing families in our church. But over the last year, that's changed. And and I've had less opportunities to be relational with all the things that are, are are on my plate as our church grows, and maybe you've noticed that, and if you have noticed that, and if you felt that, I, I apologize. That's not my heart. That's not my intention. But as we grow, it's gotten harder for me to know everyone. You know, there there's some of you, honestly, that that I. I don't know your name, or I can't remember your name. And that really bothers me. It makes me sick because it goes against who I believe God has called me to be as a pastor. But I also know that that's kind of a normal reality of of what happens when a church begins to grow past a certain size. However, I am determined not to discard this calling to relational living just because numerical growth makes relationship difficult. And during my sabbatical, God reminded and re-emphasized this to me. He, He basically, he told me, I've called you to relationship and that can't change. 1 Peter 5 says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. In a a sense, be present and be in relationship with them. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. In other words, know the sheep in the flock. The pastor is supposed to to love and care for them. You know, pastoring is not about growing in success, power, or influence. The, The flock are not employees, but family. And so God has called me to care for the people of our church. And circumstances involving growth can can make those relationships and make living relationally difficult, but that's not a good enough excuse for me to live outside of my call to biblical relationship. And if growth has gotten in the way of relationship, I need to recalibrate. Now the third thing that God has called me to do is to be present in my community. If you haven't noticed, our our church is a little bit different. And that's because we are fully committed to Jesus, but we ain't that passionate about tradition. Now, don't get me wrong. Tradition can be beautiful and can be good, but tradition is usually man-made and we are more passionate about God. For example, now, I got I to I say this because what I'm about to say may sound a little controversial, but please hear me out. Actually, I'm going to start off this way and hopefully it'll keep me out of trouble. I believe Sunday morning worship is extremely special. It is an important and valued part of our faith. Also, I am fully committed to the word of God. I read it. I study it. I teach it. I preach it. I believe it is both infallible and inerrant. It, I believe that it's living and active. It's eternally relevant and able to speak into every situation. And I believe that it is the truth that sets us free. That being said, I do not believe that our Christian faith, that is following Jesus as Lord and Savior, I do not believe that our faith is limited to church services and Bible studies. Since day one of the river church, God has called our church to be present in our community. And for some people, the way that that that's worked out, let me, let me just say, maybe for some people who, who who are passionate about tradition, the way that we have worked out that calling has been difficult for them. And I I've heard about it. You know, recently we had our annual Serve Sunday where we cancel service i know that, that that's hard for maybe you to hear that's hard for, that was probably hard for some of you to experience i even have local pastors when they hear about that they look at me like i'm a heretic like how dare you cancel uh, ch- cancel church on the uh, and keep people out of the house of god on sunday you know but, but we're not canceling service because we're lazy or irreverent or feel like we just need an extra day off we do it because God has called us to serve. Mark 10 says, for even the son of man, even Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Additionally, and part of it, God has called us to be present in our community, to not just be in church, but to be the church, to be visible and present and impactful in our community for the glory of God. And if you served at the Firecracker 5K a couple of weeks ago, you know that that happened. For 3.1 miles, you saw River Church people everywhere. In a way, it was like heaven had invaded earth, it, it was like God's kingdom had come. There were River Church people cheering for people in our community everywhere and showing them the the right way to go as they were all over, as they were positioned all over the course. And if you think about it, there's something biblical about that, right? Christians cheering for people, Christians showing people the way to go. And then when those runners, they got tired, guess who handed them water? River Church people. And as the runners ran the race and as they looked around, they also saw River Church people running and walking right next to them in the race. And then there were other River Church people that were bringing joy by offering face painting to to families, to kids who were waiting for the other people in their family to finish the race. And as runners crossed that finish line, they were given gifts by, guess who, River Church people. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. The mission Jesus gave us was to go and tell everyone about God's kingdom, to let them experience his goodness. And and, and maybe I'm looking at this wrong, but to me, it seems really hard to accomplish that mission, to, to to go into all the world and tell everyone about Jesus when our faith is limited to being in church buildings or Bible studies. And that's why at the River Church we 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 have chosen to be intentionally present in our community. That's what that's what we believe God has told us to do. So that's what we're doing even if it's untraditional. And during my sabbatical, I believe that God encouraged me to keep on doing this, to keep on being obedient to him, to keep on being different, to keep on being present, to bring joy to our community. Now, to be clear, again, I love my church. I, I Actually, uh, on Serve Sunday, most of the River Church people who were serving had a shirt on that says that. I, I love being in church. I love being in life group where we study the Bible. I love being around other Christians. I love seeing our church grow. I love seeing God's house full on Sunday. But the more God grows our church, the more time, energy, and resources it takes to properly disciple and care for people. And we're kind of in that season. We're noticing that now in our church with, with, with our recent growth. And while that is awesome, and while that's super important, what we can't let happen is allow our growing church family to force us to focus inward to the extent that we forget about all the people who need Jesus out there. Now, I don't think that we're guilty of that, but it is something that we can easily slide into, which is why I believe God reminded me to recalibrate in this area, to remember the basics, the foundation, the original mission that Jesus has given us. We are to very much be about discipleship, to focus inward. Jesus did say, make Disciples, but he also said, Go into all the world and make disciples. His mission sends us out to be present in the community. And so it's it's things like this. Things that, that I learned on, on my sabbatical that phase three is going to speak to not just me, but all of us about. If we are to spiritually mature as a church family, we're going to need to recalibrate to make sure that we are caring about the things that God cares about. And so let me just give you a quick outline, a quick preview of what phase three will be like. And so first off, actually next week, we have a missionary who's doing some some amazing work in Kenya coming to share with us. And it's going to be a great way to remind us of God's command to go into all the world and make disciples. And following that, at the request of many of you, we are going to spend three weeks talking about how to discover and pursue God's dream for our lives. And I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment. But after that, we are going to spend time in the book of Acts. Now, if you're unfamiliar with that book, it comes right after the Gospels. That is the stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's the story of of the early church. You know, if you're if you're one of the people who is reading the one year Bible uh, with me where we have kind of like this daily schedule where we we we're, we're on pace to finish the entire Bible in a year, then you have probably just finished the book of Acts. And you know what? I noticed something when I was reading in Acts. I noticed that there are a lot of things happening in the early church, a lot of things that were were happening in the book of Acts that aren't happening today. That just makes me think that's not right. And we need to recalibrate. And so what better place to recalibrate than to study the book of Acts? Finally, to finish phase three, we're gonna talk about the gifts of the spirit. In order for us to spiritually mature, it's gonna be necessary that we know how the Holy Spirit has empowered his church. We need to understand how he gifts us and how he calls us and how these gifts and callings are designed to further God's kingdom. Because theologian A.W. Tozer once said this, he said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, that is the church that we find in Acts, 95% of what they did would stop and everyone would know the difference. Ouch. And unfortunately, I don't think he's... Exaggerating again, I, I personally don't see the stuff that was happening in the book of Acts happening today, which tells me we need to recalibrate. We need phase three if we are going to move on up. And so, let me begin to close by talking a little bit about the three weeks that we are going to spend learning to discover and pursue God's dream for our lives, something that I shared about right before I left for sabbatical. And so, phase three is all about recalibrating. We're getting back to the basics, but that doesn't mean we're retreating. We may need to go back and rebuild some things in our lives, but that's only so that we can move forward and dream bigger, so that we can walk with the one who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. You know, when I coached my basketball team on fundamental basketball, when I brought them back to the basics, it wasn't so that they would start to play boring. It was so that they'd be be playing better. The goal was still the championship. And in the kingdom of God, when we recalibrate, it's not to shrink back, but it's to push forward, to press into all that God has for us. And I want our church spiritually mature enough to willingly give God permission to lead us into the biggest dreams, which may be found in the deepest waters. And so we got to be prepared for that. The, the, we need to be prepared to go to places that we never dreamed of going and to do impossible things that require the most radical of faith. Because I believe there might be some people listening right now who are called to be future missionaries or church planters to move away from the comfortable places of our current lives so that we can go and preach Christ in the craziest of places. God may be calling some of us to quit high paying jobs so we can begin working for God instead. And in the world, they're going to laugh and mock us when we do this. Therefore, we got to be spiritually mature enough to prioritize God's mission Over money. And I don't know. I think God may be even calling some of us to do things we haven't even thought of yet. But I pray that the three weeks of dreaming will help us figure out some of those things. That we'd hear clearly from God about what his dream is for us. And so to close, I I got three questions for us. Number one, do you need to recalibrate? Number two, does God want you to dream bigger? And number three, do you need to recalibrate so that you can dream bigger? And regarding that third question, I wonder if, if, if you don't connect to some of these things. Uh, uh, you know, maybe you aren't currently dreaming, meaning you're not following God's amazing purposes for your life. And maybe that's because you can't hear God speaking. And if that's true, then you do need to recalibrate so that you can dream. You need phase three. Or maybe the current dream that you're pursuing isn't working. It's not satisfying, it's not fulfilling. And that's probably because it's not God's dream for your life. You're following some other dream. And if that's true, you need to recalibrate. You need phase three. Or maybe your dream isn't working because you're trying to do it without God's spirit, apart from his giftings and his grace. And if that's true, you need to recalibrate. You need phase three. And so if any of these things are resonating with you, then prioritize being with us for phase three so that we can recalibrate together and then pursue everything that God has for us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, holy is your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we ask you to give us this day our daily bread and forgive us as we forgive others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. May we live to honor your name alone. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.